Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 504. Mr. Savage. QE2. Huzzah! Movie Bingo, movie trivia. bingo. Movie trivia. What movie was the QE2 cruise boat featured in? Parent Trap. Yes, babe. I'm, gl- I'm happy you got that one. Very good, sir. Very good, sir. Oh, please. Don't even... Where's Doc, by the way? We, we bring up a Lindsay Lohan movie. I think that just sounded the alarm. He's gonna, he's midway through solving cancer and said, nope, never mind. Here I come. Wait a second. That, the, Lindsay Lohan was the, uh, the remake, by the way. Yes. The original one was the popular one in my house way back in the day. And it was, oh my goodness, the actress's name that starred in it. Then what was, she, what was her most famous role as an adult, Mike? I got nothing. She was the teacher, Miss Bliss, in the first season of what became Saved by the Bell. It all comes together. Now you're going to mention uh, Zach Morris was bad? The YouTube's clips? Mm. Or is that still not Misunderstood. Safe? Zach Morris was misunderstood. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, hey, this is going to be a fun <laughs> show. We were having a lot of fun hanging out with Aaron beforehand, and uh, we have a, a lot of agreement in some races and in some spots, uh, hardly any at all. So... Good discussion. The QE2 is the only stakes race at Keeneland, but a great field and uh, some fun horses to talk about. At first glance, I was like, oh, this is a slam dunk race. And the more I kept looking at it, I was like, no, no, maybe that, maybe that, maybe that. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about that race with you, Mike. Yeah, we're going to have some uh, some fun here. I, I, one race, I went absolutely off the rails. I think I have three horses over 10 to 1 going four deep. I think the QE2 is competitive. Uh, found a single that's not the favorite early in the pick five, so we'll know how we're going to do early in that that sequence. And then the last race, just a wonderful Bullet of, Boulevard of Broken Dreams slash They're Still Alive, a race where, where we get a little <laughs> bit of a segment of both of those. We're like, shocking, shocking to see First Mission back on the uh, on the card, and he's even money, which is... I will say interesting there, but uh, clearly looks like he's the best horse. But you've also got, you know, Cook Creek and you've got Command Performance, who's making a, a reappearance here, Creative Minister. So interesting last race as well. I was looking at this right. Curly Jack. I was Curly like, Jack, man, yeah. this is a this is a fun field. All right. We're, we're both excited. We're going to have to talk about this one. Performance was a thing when like everyone had the, the, their to win the Kentucky Derby tickets at like 60 to one. <laughs> it still is a maiden. To be fair, he was a maiden for a long time. So that's a wide period of time that you could have gotten that ticket. But I mean, uh, that's still one of the, the funnier horses to me. Yeah. Instead, Rich Strike wins a Kentucky Derby. And I don't I, n- nobody's still laughing about that one. Uh, by the way, he's supposed to resume training shortly with uh, with Bill Mott. So um, we'll probably gets what one or two. We'll give him two starts and then he retires. How many grade ones did Command Performance run in before breaking his maiden? Ooh, grade ones? Two. Three. Three? Three grade ones before he broke his maiden. Was he in the Haskell, too, before? Was that the third one? Uh, nope, nope. So it was, uh, the first one was the Champagne at Del- at uh, at Belmont. Oh, forgot about the Champagne. And then the Bluegrass. Uh, yeah. And then shipped to Monmouth to be able to break the maiden. <laughs> That's right. I forgot he had the two. He was in the juvenile and the champagne. I was seeing them ever. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. We got to talk about. The, we almost want to do this race, but like do the sequence backwards because uh, that sequence would be a lot of fun. But we'll save the best for last. Keeneland lay pick five at uh, at Keeneland on Saturday, October fourteenth. Right. Yes, sir. If we went backward, would the penultimate race be the second race? 
the second leg would be the penultimate right leg. Yes. Exactly. So it would be the ninth still, but you'd have to say the penultimate leg when we talk about the ninth because it's the penultimate Oh, I see leg what you're saying. Five, but not the penultimate one we're going to cover. Listen, I struggle with the very basic things on this show. Let's not <laughs> let's not further right. complicate the matters. Let's go. Right it up. All right, Mike, first leg of the late pick five at Keelan on Saturday, October 14th. Race six has a field of 12 maidens, uh, two-year-old males routing a mile and a 16th on the main track. They're going to stop at the 16th pole. You, my top pick is your single here, so talk to me about the number two door knock. Technically, they're not going to stop at the 16th pole. They're going to keep running by it, but that's where the well, finish line will be. If they just all stop there, it'd be really awkward. I'm going to single for two Tornock to kick this this pick five off here. Tough race to single. One of the reasons why I want to do it. I also want to be able to spread all over the place in the next three. Got some big prices I like there. Uh, so we're going to start with here with this Danny Gargan train. Saez takes the mount back here for the second time. This one debuted at Saratoga early in the meet. Sloppy day there. Horse gets bet pretty good first time off. Uh, it doesn't break super clean. Able to sit in a good spot. Misses the win there. Sees the gray wins. Ends up running second by length in the third. Uh, they've th length and three quarters. They thought enough of that performance to then go ahead and send this one to Monmouth to run in the $206,000 sapling stakes. That race is won by noted who came back and just missed on the turf over Keeneland here earlier this week. So pretty good race coming out of there at Monmouth. Now we're dropping back down and we're taking on maidens once again. So I, I think this is a great spot for, for Dornock to just continue to improve here. If we can take a step forward, I think this one's got a big, big time shot at winning. The main rival and the main reason I am singling here is going to be Dive Bomber in the 12 post. It is tough to win from the 12 post, going a mile and 16th over the dirt track at Keeneland, especially if you want to be forwardly placed, and that's what Dive Bomber wants. I think you're just looking at a tale of two different trips here, and Doorknock gets the significantly better one at a better price. So I'm going to go ahead and single the two here just so that I can spread a little bit later. Let's go, baby. I uh, listen, like I said, it's my top pick, and you nailed every point about that. Let me ask you this. So he's seven to two second choice, the favorite, like you mentioned, all the way on the 12 post, and it's a quick run up to that first turn. I understand why you're playing against him. I think a lot of people are going to be with you on that, and Doorknock being in post two, do you think he goes off as the favorite here? Because uh, of what I, we saw with Noted? I don't, because of the name in front of Dive Bomber last time out. General Partner beat Dive Bomber by four lengths. They, he had another six on Jefferson Street. I think the fact that uh, General Partner came back, ran really well at Aqueduct last, last weekend, ended up getting second uh, up there in a graded stakes race, is going to continue to get the money to pour in on the 12. On top of that, the connections where you've got Flo and you've got Brad Cox, I think are going to assist with the money there as well. So I, I think you're actually going to see sub two to one here. On, uh, on Die Bomber on the outside. So I think Doorknock is going to end up as a legitimate second choice here. I think it was somewhere around that three to one range. I went three deep here, Doorknock top choice. I used the six Gers Ferry underneath at 10 to one. The coach, D. Wayne Lucas, uh, getting Rosario to ride together in the last year, 11 mounts, seven in the money. Three of them were winners. Coach is 0 for 27 in the last year at Keeneland. That means he's due. That's where I'm going with that. Uh, horse ran incredible second, two back to Generous Tipper. Generous Tipper last week, uh, a pretty decent third in the Breeders' Futurity. I said going into that race, he was one that I thought had an outside shot at the Breeders' Futurity. Definitely one I think has a good chance to win the Kentucky Jockey Club. 
So he ran really well in the Breeders' Futurity, makes Greer's Ferry look well. And then uh, the winner of his turf try last out, even though it didn't go well for Greer's Ferry, that horse was part of, there's that nine-horse photo finish in the bourbon that, that Noted just missed in. Uh, nine-horse photo finish for third, right behind Noted. So even though he wasn't in the mid, like right there in the front, he was part of that giant-ass mix uh, uh, late there. So I used him. I also use the 12 dive bomber at five to two. Hate the post. Absolutely understand, especially, you know, a short price point I play against, but I respect the hell out of the connections. I think he's going to take a big step forward stretching out here. If he breaks on top and he's done well breaking in his two previous starts, if he breaks out really fast, Flo, you know, has shown in the past, he can get the horse out, move them over, and he can clear most of this field. I think pretty easy. I think he's quick enough. He's shown that from the runners we've seen. He's quick enough early to clear most of them and not be hung three, four wide. And if that happens, this horse then becomes very dangerous. It, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, my I think that there's probably four horses that want to be forwardly placed here. And I, I think it's going to be tough for him to be able to clear all four of them. And if he does, I think he's going to have to run faster than they want to early, which is going to set it up for someone like Doran Aqua. I think it's going to be sitting on the rail in the first turn right behind essentially your three speed horses. So the question is, can he get clear without having to use too much of that speed? Because that if you use too much early here, then it's going to cost him late. I, the first finish line, you'll notice we're all talking about a lot of horses that want to be forwardly placed. First finish line here at Keeneland, definitely something that you want to have more there in the forwardly. Or you want horses that are going to be more forwardly placed. So you don't have a ton of time to be able to close ground. I, this race to me, if you're not going two or seven, was pretty wide open. I mean, I have Greer's Ferry as a horse that I considered. Uh, play it loud. The seven horse, 15 to one, Michael Stidham, Torres rides, I think is a little bit interesting coming from off the pace, adding blinkers in that spot. Uh, and the, what was the other one? The nine horse, no judgment. Second time out, a horse that was able to close a little bit sprinting. We'll see if he's able to do the same routing, but I thought all three of those interesting at prices. Yeah, play it loud. I saw uh, Michael Olson in the chat mentioned the seven as well that he likes here. I, I initially had him on here and then took him off. Um, he's a half brother to one of your favorite horses that actually ran today. Grumps Little Tots. This is his one of this is his younger brother right here. The seven play it loud. But the dam's entire family, terrible with win early stats. I mean, most of them needed like June, July of their three-year-old season, eight starts before they could get the maiden broke. And I'm like, a two-year-old at Keeneland? No, this is not like, we're at, no offense to Horseshoe, but if we're at Indiana Grand, you know, that's a spot maybe I think this horse can win early. I, I like the move. I think the horse could hit the board just as far as winning in this spot. The whole the whole pedigree says no. Yeah, I, I didn't look into the pedigree, so that's interesting that, the, that 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 horse needs it. I like the barn switch and the blinker ad, mm -hmm. uh, but it, I, again, I think this is Doorknock's race to lose based on the way this thing sets up and, and what we've seen from him, like the third off the bench as well. Uh, third start of the career should take a step forward. I like the fact that Saez goes back aboard too. Rode him at Saratoga, left him, mm -hmm. now back on him at Saratoga. I think it sets up well that we should get a big effort here. That's why we're singling. I was like, I'm only going to Monmouth if it's to ride the Haskell. I'm not yeah. going there for no damn sapling stakes race. Mm -hmm. Second mm -hmm. leg of the Lafic Five at Keeneland on Saturday, October 14th, race seven, 12 males, three and up, plus two also eligible, running a mile and a half on the turf at the N2X allowance level. Uh, they're turning left three times here. Where'd you go on top, buddy? 
I went with the one, 911 Turbo. No surprise there at six to five on top. I, I have some concerns, and that's why we're going four deep. However, all four of the horses I'll be, all three of the horses I'll be using outside of the favorite here are going to be over 10 to one because I think you can go price shopping here a little bit. Uh, look, 911 Turbo on paper stands out over this field, has some tactical speed in a field that is, is pretty devoid of speed. It's been coming out of tougher races. Last time, the Del Mar Handicap, which is a grade two. Gold Phoenix got the win there. Gold Phoenix been a very good horse specifically at Del Mar throughout the last meet. Everything should be good, but I don't know. I mean, the horse ran well at Keeneland. The other time he ran, ended up uh, second and to trying to break his maiden, just missed by a neck. Irad rode him that day. The question is, how does he take to this turf? What's the difference going to be between from the Del Mar turf moving over to this one? What's the pace setup going to be like? And then is that, that inside draw going to be a benefit? You'd assume it, it is. But I, I'm not really sure where this horse is going to sit. I, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, second or third, if we're going to sit right in the pocket, if there's going to be a couple horses that try and cross over. And, and so the trip could at some point get a little hairy there from the inside post as well. But I, 911 Turbo, I respect the horse. I think the horse should be the favorite. I do have it on top. But again, I, I want to take a little shot at prices. I, did you have 911 Turbo on top as well? Yeah, I did. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily love, especially the, with the way that Keelan's turf has been playing. I don't want someone who's going to be forwardly placed usually, but there's a chance he might just because it's a quick run of that turn the first time and he's on the rail and he is a forwardly placed horse. He might accidentally end up on the lead. And so I don't like that for him, but he was a horse that I liked a lot in the Delmar handicap. He was on my pick five ticket in that race and he ran very well. And, and this is the right distance. Um, it's funny, he's going from a grade two at Del Mar to a Keeneland allowance, but it almost feels like with the quality of some of the horses in here, this is almost like a vertical okay. or a horizontal move, like a lateral move. It's it's not quite, you know, a step down here. So a, a tough spot, six to five hard to swallow, but we love that Pratt's riding as well for Drysdale. Yeah, the fact that Pratt takes them out, obviously a plus there too. I'd say it's a decent step down just because of Gold Phoenix. I mean, Gold Phoenix, pretty good horse out there, but uh, this is still a salty bunch. My second horse, I'm going to end up using the three horse here. Kitten Mischief for Jonathan Thomas. Flangeroux gets the mount. Uh, this one will not be on the lead. In fact, Kitten Mischief most likely <laughs> going to be pretty far behind. But I like the fact that it ran well over this Keeneland course twice, once at a mile and eighth, ran third. And then the career best effort was going over this track at a mile and a half at today's distance. Ended up running fourth. Uh, Gray Wizard won that race that day. That was all the way back this spring. Comes back at Del Mar. Runs in the grade three Cougar. Uh, interesting choice there from Thomas to spot him there, but hey, finished fourth, so not absolutely terrible. Comes back to Ellis for second off the layoff. I thought took a little bit of a step up, but was never really a factor. And the, the fact that this horse was hung wide on both turns after breaking out of the eight out of eight post, I thought was a, a pretty detriment or was a pretty big detriment to his success on that day. Now we're getting on a nicer turf course that this horse clearly likes, getting back to the best distance for this horse. And on top of that, we're third off the layoff late in the four-year-old season. I think we're gonna see a step forward from Kitten Mischief. Love me some 15 to 1 on this horse. Yeah, this is the, 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 a horse I considered quite strongly. One thing you didn't mention, you made a bunch of great points. Drew and Thomas together in the last year, 35% winners, 48% in the money. So they're either pretty much, they win or bust. You either like this horse to win or you leave them off your, your tickets completely. Um, the Cougar move on dirt to back, that because it's a mile and a half race and most dirt horses don't want to go that long, you see a lot of turf horses kind of show up in that one and uh, try to compete. So, uh, but yeah, I don't hate this one, especially like as you said too, you're getting a nice price here uh, at 15 to one. I did notice I took a peek at your ticket. We agree on one huge bomb. So let's save that one for last because I'm excited that we both like it. Uh, next up for me, number four, just outside of your horse, Sharar at 12 to one. I think this horse is exiting a pretty sneaky good second 
at Kentucky Downs going a mile and five sixteenths in a turf allowance. The horse that won that race, Gate to Wire, Balladeer, ended up going off to win the grade two John Henry two weeks ago at Santa Anita Gate to Wire, and he looked pretty good doing that. Looks live based on the class at the price. I think that he's been keeping good class here in America. And, you know, over Maidan, he was running against some good horses there during the winter as well. A lot of the Godolphin Appleby horses they ship down there to get ready for the season uh, at the winter down there. So facing some good horses at Maidan and in America. Uh, and I like the price on Sharar at 12 to 1. Yeah, I looked at this one for a while. I, I couldn't quite get there just because of the style. I think this one might be too far back in a race that doesn't have a ton of pace. So I mm-hmm. uh, ended up not including there, but I, I, I looked at Sharar for a while. And you mentioned that last race. I thought that was a pretty good one, especially for the price that you're going to get here. Uh, I checked to see which horse we both use at a big number. So I won't bring that one up next. I'll go <laughs> to the nine horse here, Montauk Point. I read Ortiz takes them out. I think this is your speed horse. I think Suge goes out and, and tells Ired to go get the lead. And I want the horse who's going to be up front in this case. There's one other one I would consider. I think we're going to talk about that horse in a second here because that's the reason I'm on that horse. It's a big number. Uh, but Suge sends this one in. Ired takes up the mount. This is a violence horse. Violence. That sold for $550,000. That might be the most expensive violence horse I've ever seen uh, from that perspective. Montauk Point was supposed to have a pretty good career early on in his career. This was a horse that was pretty highly thought of, took a little while to break the maiden, eventually did at Churchill going a mile and 16th. Last time was the first time that we tried the turf course. I thought it was actually a pretty good effort in that spot, all things considered. Now we're ruling it back at a mile and a half, which is an interesting move from Suge. I'm going to trust him and think this horse actually wants the added distance. And I don't see anyone else who's necessarily going to go take the lead. And so that means this is more of a jockey's race early. And if it's a jockey's race early, there are exactly two people in this field who might try and go take the lead. Ired's one of them on the nine Montauk point here. So give me the nine at 15 to one as well. I looked at the nine specifically for that reason. And, and I read riding and I kept looking at this past performances going. I mean, I guess I could kind of see this horse. I just breaking from far outside like that post nine when the one and the two were projected to be forwardly placed. Uh, he's going to have to break strong to get out of there. Also, you're right. $550,000 for a violence. Um, I, yeah, Forte wasn't even that much. He was like 350. I want to say, yeah, that's the, that's the most expensive violence I've seen. I, I can't remember one going for more than 550. Um, third up for me, the number six foreign relations at nine to two. I'm playing this horse off the class drop. Uh, four straight stakes efforts, including a grade three win, which was at this distance at Churchill Downs back in May. Uh, last time he wasn't in the stakes, he was at Keeneland at this course and distance facing allowance company and beat him by f- over four lengths. Um, he went off for, you know, he, he does well in that allowance. He goes to Louisville and wins and the next three races just <laughs> completely fall off for him. So I'm hoping this drop in class helps him out and Tyler Gaffleone jumping aboard kind of gives me the faith that he will he has the ability to get back to that um he's one of the top jockeys always at keelan so uh tgaf on the six is why i'm using him yeah i mean i i decided not to use this one because the price nine to two and the fact that connor Mur- connor murphy just seven percent three for 41 on the year uh all three of those wins were this horse so he's he's over on the year outside of this horse barn uh, loves I, him mike that barn I mean, loves him. you could say is a positive because all the wins are with this horse but uh at that price i couldn't get this horse on the ticket barn loves him keeps the lights on all right let's talk about uh I, we might have used him for slightly different reasons but we both at 30 to 1 to 8 horse out of deductions talk to me about him mike Look, I was looking through this and I said, I want to have a horse who's forwardly placed or is going to be very close or be on the lead. When I look through this whole thing, the horses that were possibly going to go to the front 
Irad and Saez are the only two jockeys that would force the issue to get those horses to the front. We've seen Saez do this a lot up in New York where he's like, hey, no one wants the lead. My horse doesn't really want the lead, but you know what? It doesn't really want to go a mile and a half either. And the best way to do that is on the lead. So I would not be surprised at all if Saez sends the eight here out of deductions to the front. We've actually seen it's been tough to close at Keeneland. You have to be more forwardly placed. I'd say first half of the field if you want to be able to win. We did have a gate-to-wire winner yesterday with Irad at a big price, 17-1. to 1. I think out of deductions is as logical as anyone to go forward. And if out of deductions goes forward and Irad on the nine decides to do the same thing, I see Syed saying, okay, cool. I'll just pocket up right behind you and sit that perfect pocket trip and then try and get you around the final turn. So I think at a 31 price, out of deductions has a big shot. On top of all of that, this is a Chris Block owned and trained horse. He's pretty shrewd with where he decides to send horses. And the fact that he is putting a horse that he owns into this spot makes me believe this horse does want the extra distance. Uh, Block is 27% off a 61 to 180 day layoff. He's 23% going sprint to route. He's 23% win last start. I mean, all of his numbers, absolutely solid. And the fact that this is his own horse and this is where he places it makes me think this is a live horse. And we're getting 30 to one with Luis Saez, one of the top jockeys in America. And Chris Block, a Midwest trainer. Uh, usually summer's in the Midwest. It, you know, you see he was at Hawthorne. He'll go up to Canterbury sometimes. Sometimes goes out to the Kentucky tracks, but usually a Hawthorne guy. And then he goes out on the fairgrounds in the winter. I was looking at this and, oh, okay, Block's got a horse. All right, yeah, owned a bread. Yep, okay. All right, could be interesting. Hawthorne. Why the hell is Luis Saez on this horse? All right. Saez at 30 to 1 on this horse when he never rides for the barn. The horse was, you know, he's beating up on Hawthorne horses, but maybe he can take a huge step forward. He can be a big surprise at 30 to 1. And Saez and Karen McLaughlin, his agent, are not stupid. <laughs> No, no, they are not. And so the fact that this is where we end up makes me think that this horse is awfully live. Did you look at the two Altazors at all at well? Yeah, yeah, I I did. Yeah, because of the same reason, like, I, you know, with the lie, like the one is that's quick run in there. This horse can be forwardly placed. And I think it's going to have the fitness for it. Um, Sheminaw just went out to San Diego. Was that last week? Yeah, last week. And won the Rodeo Drive with Didia. He's a really great jockey on the turf. I've liked him for a while. So. I, it wouldn't surprise me. It, it didn't make the ticket, but I, you know, if you want to go price hunting, I think you can do worse than this one. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Him, uh, Corrales and Chaminade, jockey trainer combo st- numbers: fifteen percent anywhere, dollar sixty-seven ROI; sixteen percent at Keeneland, two dollar and sixty-six cent ROI. <laughs> it seems like every single year or every single meet, I should say, they team up for at least one, if not two, big time prices that are turf horses that get home. This one kind of has that feel. So if you want to spread and you want to add, you know, I, I don't hate Magic's out of the four. If you want to add the two, Altazar here, I think those are prices you can take a shot at here. Again, I, we both have 911 Turbo on top, but I think we both believe that there's more than one scenario here where this gets wonky and you get a big time number home. All right, Mike, third leg of the late pick five at Keeneland on Saturday, October 14th, race eight. And we have a field of 11 Phillies and Mares, three and up, sprinting six and a half furlongs at the N1X allowance level. And things were nice up until this point. This is where we're going to split apart. I think we each went four deep and we only agree on one horse. So where do you want to go first? God help me. Give me Kenny McPeak on top here. Let's take 10 to one on the five horse. Dear lady, Brian Hernandez Jr. aboard. I'm I'm interested to see. I haven't looked who you picked here. I tossed every single speed horse. Um, And actually, did I lose use one? No, I tossed every single speed horse. And I'm guessing Mm -hmm. that's why 
We are so diverged here in this spot. Uh, just an absolute abundance of speed in this race. I think there's five horses that want the front. I'm looking at who can come from off the pace. And this five-horse dear lady, I think, is awfully interesting. The, the form is muddied enough that we're getting a really nice price here at 10 to 1. So horse that debuted at Churchill Downs. Didn't get bet very much. Gets shipped to Oakland. Wins first effort there in a maiden special weight. Has run okay but never really kind of figured out what distance we want. The maiden breaking score was at six furlongs. Every other race has been further than six. This is going to be the second shortest race of this horse's career going six and a half has successfully closed at seven furlongs, although not much, but did, did improve one closing at six furlongs closed at a mile on around one turn. And it had a, at Saratoga, well, that was a tough effort. We're not going to go into too much into that, but that was off the layoff. So we'll use that as the excuse Six and a half, the pace set up here. I think this horse is absolutely flying late. And I think because we, because we had, you know, a break and then we had a dirt race at Saratoga, which was a pretty even race, but still decent compared to the early buyers. And then go to the turf. You're kind of getting that muddied form, which is going to give you that 10 to 1 price. We've seen McPeak surprise in spots like this. If you're picking him, use him when he's double digits, not when we're sitting at five to two. I, I like the five horse here, 10 to 1 to get the job done. She uh, didn't make my ticket. Interesting, she had a work at Keeneland. Um, <clears throat> she had one work at Keeneland off of that Saratoga turf effort. And then she was entered. She was a vet scratch at Churchill. And then she worked once after that, and now she's here. I wonder why she was a vet scratch there. Uh, interesting spot. Uh, the dirt's the right spot for a third start off of the layoff, um, you know, late in her three-year-old season. There's reason to assume she will take a step forward, and it's, this is the price to take on McPeak. Uh, I just don't know if she's talented enough against this group. You're, we kind of did see this a little differently. I did use, and by the way, we did use two of the same horses here, uh, including my top pick, the number nine, Zeitlos. Zeitlos. I'll go with Zeitlos at five to one. Returns to the dirt after nearly winning her turf debut, going six and a half at Kentucky Downs. Ends up getting second by a length after holding the lead there. Nearly broke the maiden here in April over this course. Uh, lost to Scylla. Scylla, you know, very good effort next out to uh, finish nearly seven lengths clear of third. So I really like that, that it's the Keeneland spring meet. You're facing three-year-old maiden fillies, and you were seven lengths better than the third place horse uh, in a field of 12. It wasn't like this was a field of four or five, and they were all stretched out. It was a a good-sized field there. Um, Christian Torres aboard for what I think were her two best races so far in her career. He's back aboard for and like you did outline, there is going to be potentially a lot of pace to chase. I think that she's going to sit mid-pack, get the horses, especially the ones that are coming off of long layoffs. There's no way that every horse that's got speed and is coming off a long layoff can sustain it. So she should be able to get by some of them. Can she get by all of them? We'll find out. Yeah, to me, the big question is what style we get from her. Now, I included uh, Zitlos on the ticket here because I, I'm hoping... We run similar to what we did on the turf at Kentucky Downs. Pretty much every other race, this horse wanted to be forwardly placed, not really able to pass too many horses. Has consistently sat in like that second region and passed the one horse and then either gotten caught or been able to get the job done. Uh, the race at Keeneland, probably the best race of this horse's career. So you got to think that uh, that she likes the track as well. So I did use this one five to one. This was my fourth horse on the ticket, though. So the one I'm least interested in. Uh, second pick for me was a seed, the 10 horse here. Chad Brown uh, getting this one back onto dirt. It looked like the sky was the limit here early in the career. Breaks its maiden nicely at Gulfstream Park. Heads to the eight bells. I thought ran a pretty good third in the eight bells. Mm -hmm. It hasn't really been able to replicate that. However, we're getting back to sprinting on the dirt here. So after that seven furlong eight bells, we go a mile and a sixteenth on the dirt, mile on the dirt, 
six and a half furlongs on the turf. Now we're getting back to where we had success. Uh, don't love the price at seven to two, but I do think this is the horse who's going to benefit the most from this setup that I'm expecting because it should be able to sit just off the speed on the outside, get first run on those horses who are starting to back up a little bit. Again, don't love Brown, especially on the dirt. I, I actually like Chad Brown. Well, let me rephrase that. I like Chad Brown horses when they're on the turf, as long as I pick the correct Brown in the race. Uh, but I don't usually use him a lot on the dirt here. I think this is the right horse for this spot. I do think Casita has a big shot here. I used her, but she was the last one on for me. And that um, I'm looking back at it now. The eight bells, nobody has done well out of that race. Red carpet ready, fell off the planet. Money's gold. It seemed like Sky was living for her, fell off. Uh, Olivia Twist. Uh, Condensation is the only horse from that entire field that's won a single race from the eight bells. Uh, but yes, I played her on the class drop. At Rad's riding, it's one of those things where it's like, if this beat me, I'm going to sit there and go. These are there are so many handicapping things that I've been taught over the years that told me to play this horse. Not playing it is like feels like just a, a stupid kind of move. So, uh, yeah, I use the the ten exceed here. Uh, next up for me, the number eight little blaze at six to one. Potentially, you could see the three and the seven gun it early. The eight might gun it early as well. If she does, I think she's in trouble. If she doesn't, she's shown she has the tactical speed to sit just off. She can pounce when the timing is right. She is one of those horses that could be a front runner who's coming off of a long layoff. But she did show back in April, 138-day break, nearly broke her maiden over the course and distance. Uh, she always shows up with a consistent effort on dirt. Six dirt starts, five times she's been in the exacta. So should have a good effort, has shown layoffs, don't bother her. But the pace scenario, the way that we saw this, I understand why you're not using the eight. Yeah, I mean the two, three, the seven, and the eight are all going to go, and that's going to that's why I think it kind of sets up for someone who can either sit just off it or be able to come from way way off the pace. Although I don't really see any deep closers, I'm overly interested in here. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I look. The eight, I think, is a little bit interesting here for a couple of reasons. First off, one of the few five-year-olds in this field, you look through it, there's only two older horses and then yeah. uh, nine three-year-olds in this spot. So <laughs> you kind of generally want to gravitate toward those older horses if you think they have any shot here. I'd say the four, three tipsy chicks, uh, not very good chance for Ron Marquette there sitting at 30 to one. So the older horse that makes sense is Little Blaze. So I don't hate the use there in the, from that front. I just don't think the pace setup favors Little Blaze here. Um, for my fourth horse on, I went to the 11 horse, Rarify, uh, this is one for Wesley Ward. We know saves his best for, uh, for Keeneland here. Generally, he's already three for 10 on the young meet at 30%. Rosario returns to ride. I'm not really sure where this one's going to sit. I think that's one of my biggest issues with Rarify and why it wasn't uh, one of the top tier horses that I use. But when you look at the last race going five and a half, the horse was able to sit off the pace and be able to close. Now it was 46 cents on the dollar that day. So really should have done what he, what she did. However, this is a $750,000 of Justify. It's not like six and a half furlongs should be a problem for her to be able to get. We saw her run well at six and a half furlongs at Saratoga, albeit it was close to the lead. Grand Love kind of ran away from her there that day. Uh, you go back two races where she ran, or three races where she ran second at Saratoga as well. Randomized, ran behind her there that day. Pretty good horse. I'm hoping we can get more of the Keeneland effort here, where since we're breaking from the 11 post, we don't go to the front right away. We're able to pass horses. The six and a half shouldn't be a problem. It's just being able to sit outside of that speed is actually a pretty big advantage when you have an abundance of speed. It allows you to sit the perfect trip. If no one goes inside of you, by all means, go take the lead here with Rosario. Uh, Rosario, obviously a concern on this one, but uh, we'll work through that. I, I think Rarify has a pretty good shot here. Sitting at eight to one. I like that. Two horses we haven't mentioned. I got questions for you, Magic. 
We'll start with the seven, you little vixen, because I know Aaron absolutely loves this horse. He was telling us how all the Von Hemel horses were absolutely loaded this weekend, expecting every single one of them to win. Did you consider the seven at all? No, other than I think the seven is in there to kind of burn things up with the three potentially. Um, I, if the three, so the three and the seven are interesting horses. I used the three, so the three was my last horse on, but very, you know, similar in the sense that you have three year old fillies that have one career start. It was a six furlong maiden special weight. They went pretty much gate to wire. Um, you little vixen did at Prairie Meadows in one by seven and a half, but it was Prairie Meadows. Mucho Mantra Girl did it at Fairgrounds. But that was back in March. You got the the layoff to worry about there. I went with the three because of the inside post. I thought that the fact that she did it at Fairgrounds was more impressive than the seven having done it uh, at Prairie Meadows. And she was also, the seven was two to one that day. So she was expected to kind of uh, run that way. Uh, Tyler Gaffleone takes them out. And that is interesting. Uh, again, I'm not using the horse, but it is surprising a little bit that you get a top-notch jockey like Tyler Gaffleone to ride. And then the two pumpkin score, neither of us use. Brad Cox, mm -hmm. Morales rides 9-2 to two on the morning line. Uh, another horse I think is going to be forwardly placed here. Ran, went 22-2, and 45-4. We'll break in the main at Ellis last time. Uh, what was your reason for not using this one? Um, the Her best effort was a 6 furlongs. We're going 6.5. Uh, the 7 and 6.5 furlong efforts were good enough to get second, but they were well beaten second, 2 and a quarter, 2 and 3 quarter. So that's why I didn't. What about you? Um. This pace, I, I think this is just one that's just really going to get burnt up. I, I think you have to send from the two posts, and you've got the mm -hmm. three, the seven, and the eight that want to go. Uh, and, and because it's six and a half and not six, I think it's going to be very hard for Pumpkin Scone to be able to to get the job done. Last one I wanted to talk about, because this is the last horse off my ticket. The six horse, Rosie's Alibi. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a, a My Race horse, horse here, 12 to 1. Luis Saez, Todd Pletcher. Haven't seen this horse since November 6, 2022, when Flavian Pratt was riding it. Just missed favoritism in the uh, attempted stakes, $150,000 stakes at Aqueduct that day. Been almost a year. So the layoff, obviously a little bit of an issue, but $625,000 daughter of Justify. 12 to 1, Saez Pletcher. We going to regret not using this horse? No, I'm going to let this horse beat me. I mean, you look at the debut... And the horse was well bet and was no match. Looked like definitely needed a start. Looked lost. Broke the maiden. Next out at Parks. Like, I'm guessing that was probably Pennsylvania Derby Day. So we found an easy spot with a $100,000 purse. Yay, congrats. We went to Aqueduct. Never involved. And now we're coming off the long layoff. And this is a much tougher spot than I think even that stakes race was. No interest. Fair. I, I'm a little interested, but we'll see what happens. Just because I just the fact that Sayas takes them out. Got me uh, perked the ears up. I wonder I wonder if he needed to do Pletcher a solid. He's like, listen, we'll give you some good horses, but I need you to go out there and ride this Rosie's alibi for me. It's been working pretty well. 463, 9 of 33, not terrible. She was working really well right before that Saratoga debut, too. 4 and 48 flat, 4 and 48 and 1. Do you own a piece yeah. of it? You sound salty. No, but I just, you're right. I do sound salty like a, uh, like I had a lot of money on her at some point or something. No, I don't have any interest in her. Um, she is an interesting one. Uh, all right, let's move on. Just in the sense that it's my racehorse, you're curious to see how much money she takes. The penultimate leg here of the late pick five, uh, Keeneland on Saturday, October 14th, race nine. This is the one we're excited to talk about. The great, well, almost, I should say, the last one actually, I'm still more excited to talk about. But this one's fun. The grade one, Queen Elizabeth, two stakes for 12 three-old fillies, plus an also eligible routing a mile and eighth on the turf. Now, I do know that the number five, Be Your Best, will reportedly scratch. 
She's going to go to the Sands Point Stakes at Backwaduct on Saturday. That means the 13th Freitas the Red does draw into the field. Everybody from post six out, you get to draw one post inner. So Papilio, you know, maybe you can hit third from post 11 instead of post 12 in this spot. Anyway, you got Elusive Princess. You got Maj, who's the half-sister to modern games. Where are you going on top? I went with Elusive Princess just because she's proven it here in the U.S., although I'm, I'm going to use Maj as well. I think these are clearly your two horses to beat in this spot. Elusive Princess, I mean... That was just a dominating effort in the Saratoga Oaks Invitational. Ends up winning by three, gets a 96 buyer, by far the best buyer anyone in this field. Was a nice step forward. Now we're switching barns to Arnold Delacour barn. I'm not overly worried about that. He's pretty good with these international horses generally. Flavian Pratt stays aboard to take them out. And go back and watch that race. I mean, this is like the definition of the horse that high fives everybody on the on the outside rail when they win the race. Because I, I like the notes, I've never seen this in DRF. Say 11 to 12 wide. When have you ever seen anywhere say 11 to 12 wide in the notes? It's like, oh, five wide, six wide. No, 11 to 12 wide, still able to win by three uh, over three lengths against a, what was a pretty decent field. So Elusive Princess on top for me. Yeah, I uh, agree with you in all accounts there. You know why she did that? It, by the way, you talk about how she was 11, 12 wide. The rail was like 30 feet out too, wasn't it? Like they were nowhere near the rail. The temporary rail was way out there. No, she heard Aaron Halteman was in town. She went over there to say hi. That's what happened. Uh, she also heard Aaron had an umbrella for her because she was like, F this rain. I left Europe because I didn't like this stuff. Uh, she's got the, um, the, the experience racing in America, which I love. Pratt uh, stays aboard her. And Delacour taking over, I like because uh, he and Pratt teamed up with Shea Pierre to spice up some stuff at Keeneland against Modern Games earlier this year. And now they're facing Modern Games' younger sister, Maj. Um, I went 3D. Sorry, go ahead. Revenge spot for Maj. Trying to, sure. Trying to get that family name, put some pride on it, baby. Uh, let's talk about her. We both did use her uh, as well here. Um, they've sent her over a different trainer than Modern Games, not Charlie Appleby, a society, Ben Soror, but they said she's here as a prep for the Breeders' Cup. They're either going to go Philly Mare Turf or the Mile. One of the other knocks I think you can have against Maj, Mike, is she's never gone beyond the Mile. That extra furlong is a little concerning for me. Based on her breeding, I think the Mile is the best for her. Um, obviously, half to Modern Games, who was per, you know superb at a Mile, but her sire exceed and excel also puts out you know great six furlong seven furlong eight furlong turf horses going beyond that isn't something that he's really known for as a sire but aaron literally asked me this earlier today he says do you really think they'd ship the horse halfway across the world to enter a race they're not sure that she can handle the distance up and i said well no i don't think so so she's on the ticket (laughs) you're saying the prodigy does not exceed and excel when they're going two turns is that what i'm hearing no maybe they do not they They do do not. not okay good to know i don't think so mike uh this horse is like done nothing wrong though you got to give credit five uh, eight eight races five wins uh coming out of a group one effort where uh, the horse was basically forwardly placed through the most of it It was tracking leaders in the previous races so you have an international horse that is going to have more speed than a lot of the horses that we see come over i think that's a positive sign my biggest question here was really the going uh we talk about this a lot when when international horses come over here there's not even close to a good track on Maj's list. So now you're going to take a what is going to be a good track tomorrow. I'd say good to firm. Right now we're sitting at firm at Keeneland. Uh, I would expect you're going to get a firm track, but nothing like what we're going to see at the Breeders' Cup. But this still is a step forward in a different condition to handle. It's one of the main reasons why I was willing to take a little bit of a shot against here. But uh, those last three races, I, I mean, very, very good. Three for three so far in 2023. Earned over half a million dollars. That's not easy to do in uh, Europe unless you're winning big-time stakes races. So respect Maj there. I'm going to go for a little bit of a price here. I'm going to go to our good old friend, 
Lagira, the 10 horse, 15 to 1. We're finally getting the right number on Lagira. And for me, that and the trip <laughs> the last couple is the big reason here. So this horse has never been over 9 to 1 in her life. The only time was at Churchill Downs in the Edgewood, uh, missed by a length that day. Came back and won the wild of the uh the wild applause next time out at Belmont. If you go back to the last two races, I don't think that Lagira liked the turf at Saratoga. The trip wasn't great. Had to go six wide around the far, far turn. I don't think really ever had a shot as the favorite in the Lake George. Then you go to the winter memories, going a mile. I, like the horse didn't really have room late and then it surged through, was able to get up, uh, was able to get forward and end up in fourth. But did that when the final time I thought was very good. So if you look at what they ran six furlongs in, a minute and 12, they end the race in 135 and two. So they went 23 and two for the final quarter of a mile. This horse was able to close into that with what I believe was a less than positive final quarter mile trip. So it was absolutely flying. I think the mile and an eighth is actually going to be beneficial here for Laguerra. Uh, and so if we get the added ground and we can run back to that last race and actually get room, I think Laguerra could be sitting on a monster effort for Chad Brown here. 15 to one. I love the price. Uh, I, I think Laguerra is really dangerous for the first time in a while, to be honest, because this horse, after winning multiple races uh, at two, has not been and not had a great three-year-old season. I didn't use either Chad Brown horse. It's funny. This is like an off year for him because he's won this race five times more than any other trainer. He's won it four of the past five years, right? Yeah, the only time he didn't was 2020. Um, boy, I didn't use either one. They're big prices, 15 to 1 Liguria and 20 to 1 on prerequisite. I just think the ones that I used, if I get either of those three horses at their best, any of them are better than Liguria and prerequisite at their best. So that's where I left it for him, but... Um, you're right. You are getting the right price on her. She's finally 15 to one. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, I can't remember. What's the name of that Chad Brown horse that we both hated and kept, uh, it was like short and then finally won at 17 to one. Oh, there's a lot of those. Uh, well, I'll try and remember. Sure. We'll go through it. <laughs> uh, I, I went four deep. I used the seven sounds of heaven. Uh, other foreign invader here. Uh, there's actually two of them. But I, I went with the seven who gets the international jockey, fully takes the trip across the pond here to run in this spot. Back-to-back uh, -back group one efforts there over in Europe. Uh, this is one that, again, has pace. So what I would expect is going to be sitting a little bit more forwardly placed in this spot. And I found it interesting that we decided to send this one over. Kingman, one of the best sires over there out of a Galileo mare. This horse is absolutely bred top and bottom to be a very, very good horse. And I think we're going to get the price. I think this is going to be your forgotten international horse. I wouldn't be shocked if we get more than eight to one here on Sounds of Heaven. So that's going to round it out for me. Uh, I looked at the seven. Uh, I definitely I went all well, I guess they're not all shippers because Lucid Princess was technically here before. But I went with all European horses here. Um, I, I left her off. Another one that I think is probably best suited for a mile. Watch for this one to go to the Breeders' Cup mile as well, I think, out of here. Uh, the, you know, the Group 1 mile effort at Ascot at, back in June was very nice. You know, third, but only beaten a length. Um, and the trainer, I don't know about DRF. In time form, it keeps showing trainer changes all over the place. But it's always been Jessica Harrington and co-owned by Craig Burnick of Glen Hill Farms. So there's a chance she might stick around in America if she does well here and or at the Breeders' Cup. Uh, third and final horse for me, just to her inside the number six, Lindy. Another one with... A little bit of experience has one start in America after previously racing in France. This horse runs for Brendan Walsh, Tyler Gaff, Leon. Now you can look back at that racing Kentucky Downs and go, Magic, there's only four horses in there. She was one to five. That's what she was supposed to do. I say she got a race under her belt in America, and I don't have to worry about first time in America. What's she going to do? Tyler Gaff, Leon got a feel for her top jockey at, at Keeneland. Now is going to keep them out here. 
I trusted Brendan Walsh can have this for a uh, horse uh, ready to go. Tons of bad class, uh, a pair of Group One efforts in France. That uh, you know she finished second, by the way, to Blue Rose Sen twice. If Blue Rose Sen comes over for the Breeders' Cup, she's a favorite. Whatever, if she goes Philly Mare Turf, she goes Mile. That's your favorite for the race that she's in. She's that good. But Mile Five Sixteenths race, two back, scratch it out. Too far for her. Wasn't her spot. I think the mile and eighth is a good position for her. She should be able to build off of the mile at Kentucky Downs, which we know plays a lot differently. Uh, exact is six of the seven times. The only time she wasn't, mile and five sixteenths. So Lindy at six to one, and I think he'll get every bit because of the two and the four. Yeah, I think you're gonna get the right price. Um, so I don't I don't hate the use there. I, I didn't use this one specifically because of um because of that race last time you mentioned it four horses it was also a conditional allowance with for not winning a certain amount in the past year so i thought it was an interesting spot to put the horse in versus trying to go for a bigger pool especially she never won in the last year <laughs> well i know but i mean like you think about what you could have the other races right i mean there's just so much money that is that is there at kentucky downs to pick that spot where the purse isn't as big because it's a conditional purse I, I, to me was like oh I wish we went. I wish we went a little more competitive, just to see, just to see what we had there. Uh, I don't hate the idea of the one race in the U.S. Obviously, I think that's that's a positive. Um, but yeah, I, I just couldn't get there with Lindy. The the Blue Rose Sen, that's the one thing that concerns me about this horse. You mentioned it; she's a phenomenal horse over in Europe. I, you go back and you watch those efforts. I'm not sure Blue Rose Sen really had to do much to win. Like it was kind of the gallopy, you're never catching me type efforts. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens with Lindy here coming over second time in the U.S. But I, I went with the seven over the six. Those were the last two I was looking at. Lindy got $120,000, $120,500 for winning. That's why they went to that four horse race. Because she got 120. She doubled her career earnings in one start at Kentucky Downs. That's why they did that. It was Rock Emperor. Thank you very much, Chris Mack. That was <laughs> yeah, see that. Lost you said a horse. Oh, the horse that I hate. I thought you said it was yeah. a horse that we loved. And I was like, no, I no. never have loved. You, that hate, horse. you hated Rock Emperor. Yeah, it was. It was. It was the Rock Emperor who eventually won at a monster price after losing at a short price. Bunch of yeah. Uh, yeah, but okay, one hundred twenty thousand dollars winners purse at Kentucky Downs is like the ninth biggest out of the ten races that day, though. The 10th being the $30,000 claimers that only yeah. paid $100,000 to the winner. <laughs> uh, all right. I think we've talked about... Do we hit... Oh, go pretty good uh, Pretty good dam there. or It's, it's dam, right? What was the... They're a pretty good sire, Le Havre. That was one of the ones I mm -hmm. thought was fun uh, for a while. There was very, very good. It's like back in the late 2000s, I think it was. So I uh, do like to see the Le Havre's hit the track every now and then because he's... I think he's in Europe full time now. Let me look. He is not sure where he stands. He's in France. Yeah. Yep. Which makes sense because she was bred in France. Okay. Yeah. Um, last one. I feel bad for Papilio, the 12 horse. She always has to run into like some tough European that's going to make her just finish third. I want to say like just play her to hit the board, play her to finish third. You could have like two, four, two, four, 12. Boom. There's your trifecta for this race. Look at this. I mean, look at what she faced. Elusive Princess, Aspen Grove. Let's not talk about Mission to Joy because that was Churchill Dunst. But <laughs> the thing, the thing with Papilio, like this is the definition of a horse that you want to run early in the season because later in the season she's just not as good as everybody else, and that's like that's what we saw, right? Like the early mm -hmm. seasons, if you get them into stakes company in January, February, March, April, you're gonna get a win, you're gonna hit the board, but as soon as you get into like summer. This horse has no shot at winning. It, it, you're going to hit the board. You're going to finish fourth, fifth, third, whatever. You're cashing checks, but you're overmatched by somebody, and that's been that's been Papilio's year.
There's only one grade one race this year, only one graded stakes race on Saturday. I am very, very excited for this race. I think tons of Breeders' Cup implications here. Uh, very excited for the Queen Elizabeth to at Keeneland. But we still have one more race to go here, Mike. The fifth and final leg, race 10 at Keeneland on Saturday, October 14th. Boy, look at that rail horse. Look at that beautiful boy. First mission is one of 12 males, 3 and up plus, and also eligible routing a mile and a 16th on the main track. N2X Allowance Company. The first mission didn't save us from uh, being last in the Fantasy League. He could save my ticket because I singled him to end this pick five. Uh, did you put him on top? I did put him on top. I don't hate singling him. I only ended up too deep here. I didn't want to go crazy. Uh, but I, I wanted to use some of the older, or at least one of the older horses here in this spot because... I, this is one of those things where you have this three-year-old coming back. The rail draw, probably a good thing. Should go right to the lead. Should make it hard to win or for anyone to beat him. We know likes Keeneland. Ran really well last year, beating Arabian Lion last time out, going a mile and a 16th. So I, I agree first mission, the horse to beat. Um, but I, I wanted to go too deep just to try and spice it up since I had a spicy single in the first. Uh, f uh, you know, like you said, first mission, he was a fast horse. Might be the fastest one early. He's never been a gate-to-wire horse in pre three previous starts, but... You know, could start here. He's got Saez riding, like short run to the you know, you know the finish line and the stretch there. So, tons of reasons to love first mission. I would be shocked if first mission isn't in the lead around the first turn. Like it makes yeah. absolutely no sense not to just go ahead and send this horse. Uh, other one that I took, give me the seven horse here, Cook Creek. Joel Rosario rides for Jeremiah O'Dwyer. Uh, this is a horse that has had success coming from off the pace, been basically going a mile and an eighth, uh, cutting back to a mile and a sixteenth, has run decently well going a mile and a sixteenth. I think has faced some pretty good horses, War Campaign, Rattle and Roll, Creative Minister, who's in this race, but going to be in a little bit better spot. I believe Cook Creek will be in this spot. So uh, I ended up going with the seven as my other horse here at seven to one. I did look at the two and the four, Curly Jack at 20 to one in Keystone Field at two to one. Did you consider anyone besides the one here, Magic? Boy, not really. I it, it was hard. For, I I just was looking at this, thinking like there's so many horses that have just that I I know and have just for whatever reason come, don't show up. Um, I I mean, it it's hard for me to really find a weight that that the one loses. If he does, it might be to the two Keystone Field. Aaron just got really excited. I think he had a big hit there. Did you really hit the last bad. at Keeneland, Aaron. Stupid. He did. Nine he had horse. I, I needed the ten. <laughs> Sorry. Well, Aaron, I think the Rockets probably hit. Aaron got very, very excited about that one. So good job, Aaron. Yeah. No, the two I think has a chance to do it is, you know, has past races where you go forwardly placed, uh, uh, going to mile 16th at Keeneland back in October 2022. It was a claiming race, but one by over eight lengths, uh, broke from the four post, sat just off and powered home. So, it, you know, you could go one, two, but then you're going favorite, second favorite there. So it's it, with the, the favorite first mission is what, two to five, one to five. What is he? I mean, I, this field is salty enough that I don't think you're going to see one to five. I think you're going to see two or five or three to five somewhere in that range. And I, I you know, I, I think two to five is probably about what you'd expect. I think he wins this race around 60. Well, no, two to five is probably too short. He probably wins this race around 70% of the time, right? Um, so I don't think that I would bet him at two to five. Honestly, I wouldn't bet first mission to win this race. If I'm going to play this, I would try and fade him because to me, it just makes it's so much more sense as a win bet to go against first mission here. I do like the idea of like, Hey, let's play a cold trifecta one, seven, two or cold trifecta one, two, seven, uh, or play the one over the seven over the two, four, two, four, something like that. Uh, if you do want to get money on first mission in the top spot, but uh, he's going to be too short to bet in this spot because there, there are some decent horses here that if he doesn't come back at 
the absolute top level of his game, he is beatable in this spot. And it's interesting to even see him here. I'm surprised we're seeing him run again, to be honest with you. I, I mean, we, I have not heard anything about this horse uh, since that April 15th race. And yeah, he goes mm-hmm. back on the work tab and he's been there for a while, but they're not exactly awe-inspiring works. I mean, 51 and four, four furlongs. Like, it's not like he's absolutely been lighting the track on fire in the morning. Well, I mean, you look back at his previous works and they weren't, He'd have like, you know, a 47, 4, 48 flat, but a lot of them were just, he was there. They didn't, they didn't ask him to do more than he needed to is what that looks like. By the way, by my count, Aaron, you can correct me on this. I count five former fantasy league horses in this field. First mission, uh, Curly Jack, Roman Centurion, Command Performance, Creative Minister. There's five different fantasy leagues, not all from last, from this past year, but over the course of different years. So uh, if I, by the way, Keelan last race, Rodney just hit the trifecta for a buck. Good job, Rodney. That Congrats. will pay. 75 to one shot runs third there. Hey, now that's a, that's a big video. Yeah. But I'm going to ride uh, with first mission, see if he can get it. And I'm with you too. They made it sound like with his injury that he got after the work, that it was like, they're lucky that he didn't die kind of thing. Yep. And now he's back on the track. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, l- listen, the Pletcher barn reportedly thought up to the mark was crippled and, and needed, you know, wheelchairs on both ends to get him to the, you know, races last out. And he, can beat master this season cost me hundreds of dollars so you know things happen things happen mike things happen up to the mark baby best horse in training just ask aaron halterman all right that's good for this episode of the magic mike show thanks for joining mike and i to preview saturday's late pick five at keeneland uh with headline by the qe2 stakes Super exciting race. Tell us who you like for that race. Tell us your tickets if you're playing down below in the comments section. Uh, we'll go ahead and give out our tickets one last time. If you're watching on YouTube or Twitter, take a look or Facebook, take a look right here. If you're a podcast listener, we'll read them out. I'll start. I'm going to go 2612 with 1468 with 38910 with 246, singling the one in the last for $72, Mike. I'm going to start out with a single of the two horse, then go one, three, eight, nine with five, nine, ten, eleven with two, four, seven, ten with one, seven. That'll cost you sixty four dollars for fifty cents. You almost said something different there. It sounded like I don't know how. Like it, it doesn't make any sense that I would say it. I could. I also started to hear it, and I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to say here. I'm trying to say four. Uh, over at RacingDudes.com, the pre-sale is officially on right now for the 2023 Breeders' Cup Betting Bible. You can pre-order the expert picks and betting tips now. And by that, I mean you can get any monthly subscription for the Racing Dudes. You can get the Samo Bombs that Mike puts out. You can get the Rockets or the uh, the daily premium picks that Aaron does. Uh, any of those subscriptions starting at a minimum price of $70 a month gets you the Breeders' Cup Betting Bible as well as the 14 trends to know for the Breeders' Cup is a $90 value starting at $70 a month. Plus, it gets you free picks for every race, every day, every track, cross country, which is pretty damn awesome. Anything else that you're excited about this weekend, horse racing or beyond? Well, I mean, the Blues and the Red Wings both start their season tonight. And I would just like to say, I did not get invited back to the Fantasy League this year. And I'm wondering if it was my no-goalie strategy that got me left out of this fantasy thing. So I, I have questions there because Magic's, I think it was high school buddies or maybe college buddies, whatever it was in Michigan, got Aaron and I in a league, and now neither of us get emails to continue to play this fantasy hockey league. Just absolute well, blasphemy. 
I didn't invite you in to win. I invited you in to fill the league so that it could go forward and that I could go back and win it for the second time. So that's why. No, I, I, I'm not playing this year. He uh, he reached out and asked if I wanted to do it. But I forgot about a month into the league last year to keep doing it. And then I have no I, Aaron won, I know, because he wouldn't shut up about it. I'm like, great, you beat, yeah. I don't know, anybody. Can't Mike and I, good job. See, I can't wait to see you adjusting your fancy hockey lineup when we're at the Breeders' Cup together. And I will remember this and say, hey, you lied. You are actually in the league. You just didn't want Aaron and I in it for our creative strategies and him winning. Uh, anyway, well, uh, we got a football game tonight. We've got the, yep. the Kansas City Chiefs, Denver Broncos. Not going to bet a side or total. Going to go back to the well with what we talked about Monday night. Give me over Isaiah Pacheco rush yards. We got it home on Monday night with the running back we gave out. We're going right back to it. The Denver Broncos defense is very bad. They give about 180 yards per game on the ground. Not good. Pacheco going to get a bunch of carries. 15 mile per hour wins tonight, gusting up to 35. Kansas City going to get the win, going to keep it on the ground, but I'm not sure how many points or by how much. So just give me Pacheco over 72 and a half rushing yards. Do you think uh, Ciara is going to get like really jealous at all the attention that the other team's quarterback's girlfriend or not girlfriend gets tonight? On TV, I think that this. So I'm I'm getting more and more into the. This is a strategic relationship for Taylor Swift because she's got her movie that came out last night. This is opening weekend of her movie. They shut down the yep. Grove last night for it, mm-hmm. and now she's going to yep. go to freaking Denver, which she has no connection to. It's not like this game's in New York. It's not like this game's in LA. She, she's going to Denver to big watch. Big fan of Coors Light, Mike. Big fan of Coors Light. To watch the cheat. At some point, like the little skepticism, the tinfoil hat comes on here where it's like, okay, Kelsey brought something up. You're going to go to the game. Okay, the next week it's in New York. Fine. I mean, like, it's wild to me that you want to watch the Bears and the Jets in person back to back weeks live. But then to fly to Denver for a Thursday night football game, I just it feels like this is an advertisement for her movie more than it is anything else. I mean, I don't disagree with anything that you said. <laughs> I've had similar thoughts this whole time. I'm going, uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I just hope it makes for a really epic breakup song. That's all I'm hoping for. I'm, the, you can, like, the, the lyrics write themselves. You know, I mean, I mean like, the, 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 there's first downs, you cross the line, there's, you know, you drop the pass. Or it, there's a bunch of stuff that she can go after if she wants to. She's All starts. Yeah, she's much better fumbles. with lyrics than I am. They, but so I'm sure she'll come up with something better than I do. But uh, there, there's a lot. Yeah, the fumbled the relationship. You know, there's a lot of different things that you can go for here. Uh, she works in a Butterfingers reference. I'll appreciate that. I mean, he's receiver, you, you know, I, I would love a diss track around Travis Kelsey. I think that'd be pretty funny if that's what we get, like a romantic diss track around Kelsey from this. I would I'd be down for it. Uh, so maybe, maybe she makes a joke about his end not actually being that tight. Yeah, like a dear Trav instead of dear John. Ooh, all right, we're cooking. Like a slow ballad that just sears through the whole thing. That's what we're looking for. Uh-huh. All right, so Mike and I are onto something. We're gonna cut the show off so we can write this show, uh, write the lyrics for her, sell it to her, and uh, be big millionaires on that one. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curse Code. He's at Samo Bomb eighteen number one number eight. What? Why are you interrupting me? Because you know the minute you knew this was fake, when she was friends with Brittany Mahomes. No one wants to be friends with Brittany Mahomes. Okay. Kelly Stafford doesn't want to be friends with Brittany Mahomes. That was the minute you knew. Okay, go ahead now. Uh, perfect. I'm at Curtis Cole. He's at some of them. 18 number one number eight. Corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes. Blinkers off. 
already happened today so go check that out uh you can check out the podcast or youtube wherever you're catching us we're at the same spots also dude to bet sports coming on in one hour from now if you want to watch them live week six picks for the nfl week seven picks for college football tune in for aaron and papa dude i miss papa dude on dude to bet daily this morning but i know aaron's best bet rolled little prankster was his best bet at keelan so little prankster got the job done Didn't uh, break where did him flying where did aunt becca finish do you do you know uh third fourth some maybe fifth not great not great gotcha okay All right. between well, horses didn't break well was fifth on the turn didn't end well gotcha well that's all that matters. I uh, appreciate you again for joining us. Uh, we will be back on Monday to dis. Oh, no, we won't. I'm not going to be here. I forgot to tell you. I'm going to be gone Sunday, Monday, Tuesday next week. Good to know. This weekend. So if you do you want to do a Monday show or do you want to? I mean, there really isn't going to be. That's kind of why I picked this week for yeah, when we we'll take, go we'll on take vacation. Monday off. Okay. We'll be back next Thursday, the 19th of October, uh, for the next Magic Mike show, another preview show. Uh, oh, tomorrow, so it's October. Tomorrow is Friday the 13th. I've got to ask, do you have any, like, horror movies that make your annual rotation? Is there, any, like, one scary movie or, or just horror or anything Halloween-related? I'm not a big horror guy. I don't really, it doesn't really get me going. I don't really get scared by them, and I don't really find the plot all that interesting. Uh, you know, Scream wasn't bad. Like the original Halloween I watched. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh-huh. Like, you know, uh, my my Friday the 13th will be spent uh, at a Harvest Festival, which is basically a horror movie with a bunch of five year olds running around. So that's that's how that's that's the terror I'll be going through tomorrow night. Yeah, this uh, I knew this one. Aaron says Heather's uh, mentioning Hocus Pocus. That is on every year in our household. Uh, Practical Magic usually makes its way on. Not every year, but uh, it's as much of a fall thing. As anything, especially now that we're you understand this, you you moved to Southern California after having nice falls, and you're like this. It's the middle of October and it's 95 degrees out. Great. Yeah, we got we're we're rocking like uh, Daisy and Minnie's Witch Adventure right now. That's the kind of scary okay. movies we're into. So, you know, I mean, the Big Pete Ghost guy is pretty scary at the end of that. He's got like tentacles for legs. We saw Inside Out with Coulson and thought that he would like it. And apparently there's a clown that's in that movie for like one scene, maybe 30 seconds, a minute. Did not remember that at all. Why would you? It still scars him. It's been like two months. <laughs> He's still <laughs> scared of clowns every night because of that. So it doesn't matter if it's a scary movie or not. There's so many shit that might scare you in it. Yeah. I, high school musical freaks me out, man. <laughs> Did everybody might spontaneously break into song around you? That scares yeah, me too. Like, I don't need this. This isn't what I'm looking for. <laughs> Uh, we're happy to join us. Thanks so much for uh, being here. We'll be back next Thursday. Until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck and watch out on Friday the 13th. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.